Well, um, this morning, um, we're going to think a little bit about trust. Um, I think some people are pretty down on trust. Here's something I found on the internet this week. Trust no one. Very negative. People lie. Trust no one. People manipulate. Trust no one. People pretend. Trust no one. People step on you. Trust no one. People use you. People don't love you. People only hate. People don't trust. So trust no one. Very negative view of trust. Um, I quite enjoyed this. We should always trust people who like big butts because they cannot lie, which is a, a reference from a song none of you have ever heard. Um, but here's, here's my thing. I, here's one phrase that got told to me quite a lot when I was younger. So p- people say this all the time. They say, oh, you know, I trust people as far as I can throw them, which seems a really curious thing when you think about it because obviously presumably midgets are by nature more trustworthy than, than Andy Donaldson, for example. Um, if the distance you can throw someone is how you measure... Uh, whether you can trust them. That seems a slightly strange measure to me. Um, but how do you know? How do you come to trust someone? Um, here's, a, here's another thing which uh, makes me distrust people. Um, you'll probably, most of the boys will agree with me. Raisin cookies that look like chocolate chip cookies are the reason that we have trust issues. I can totally identify that. I remember there was a friend of mine and a girl who, who fancied him made him some cookies once. And uh, we... I was there as well, so I decided to eat some of these cookies, and they had raisins in, they looked like chocolate chips, so we fed them to a duck. He never went out with a girl, and it didn't work out. But the point is, raisins are always disappointing, aren't they, when you're expecting chocolate chips. Um, I reckon there's all kinds of reasons in the world, but it's just difficult to trust people. It's difficult to trust. And I think we have the same problem when it comes to God. We find him difficult to trust. Um, now, that might seem surprising, but I think it's true. We find him difficult to trust. And this morning, I hope we're going to see some reasons why actually we should trust him, we can trust him. And um, I think we should um, see through the life of Abraham that trusting God is the wise thing to do. And the big thing is I want to say today is that we should trust God because God keeps his promises. We should trust God because God keeps his promises. And the thing is, he keeps his promises despite all threats. God keeps his promises despite all threats. Just look with me um, at verse 10. It says this, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for, for a while, because while the famine was there, it was severe. Now, just before, um, God has promised to Abraham he's going to have a descendant, a seed, a son, who is going to possess the promised land. And then we get to verse 10, straight away, there is a threat to the promise. There's a famine. In fact, a severe famine. You see, it seems like even when we looked at it last week, the odds were pretty stacked against uh, Abraham anyway. So Abraham is old, he's 75. His wife Sarah is 65. She is barren, that means she can't have children. Um, There are means they're not going to have kids, or it doesn't seem likely, and yet God has promised it. And there's a famine, which means there's no food. There's therefore no energy for special hugs at this point. And there's no Viagra invented. These are old couples. And they're now about to go on this massive, massive long journey to Egypt. Massive long journey. And it seems like there's a massive threat to God's promise here. This is going to be it. God's promised it. And the next verse is, it's not going to happen. You see, there's this natural thing seemingly against God's promises. But the shock is, I think we're going to see this morning, that even this famine can't stop God's promise. And in fact, 
God will use the famine for Abraham's good. Let me say that again. I think the shock is that the famine seems like a threat against God's promise. Um, But the shock is God can even use the famine for Abraham's good. That's how in charge he is. This famine is not going to stop God's promise. But I think there's there's another threat here um, to to Abraham. And that comes in verse 11. Uh, Just look with me down there. Um, As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. They will kill me, but will let you live. Um, Abraham looks at his wife. She is stunningly beautiful. And his big worry is that Pharaoh, who's in charge of Egypt, will want her for himself. And so what does he do? He comes up with this crazy plan to call his wife his sister. Um, And he thinks that there's no way... Uh, that God can defeat someone like Pharaoh. That's what he's thinking. There's this big guy, Pharaoh. If he wants my wife, he's going to kill me, and that is it. Game over. The end of the promise, because the end the promise was for Abraham. The promise was that he would have a child. And if he's dead, that can't happen. So it seems, again, we've got this big, big threat. What's going to happen? Now, interestingly, um, the book of Genesis, I've not talked about this before, but the book of Genesis was written by a guy called Moses. And Moses is a massively important character in the Old Testament. And when Moses writes this, it seems to me that he's on the edge of the promised land. Okay, now, um, who knows the story of the Exodus, second book of the Bible? Anyone know a little bit about the Exodus? Well, interestingly, what happens right here in Genesis 12 is very similar to the book of Exodus. Very similar. So what you get is um, you get a famine. And we saw this, didn't we, on House Party? What happens? Um, there was a famine in the land. And um, so um, Joseph's brothers all head over to Egypt to get food, don't they? So you get this movement from the land to, to Egypt. Um, there's a threat in Exodus to kill all the boys. Here's Abraham, a boy worried about being killed by Pharaoh. Um, then in this bit we see there's a plague. There's, uh, the Lord, verse 17, inflicts serious diseases. Um, they are freed. In Exodus, they freed and they plunder the Egyptians in Exodus chapter 12, taking all their goods. And at the end of this story, we'll see how Abraham gets loads of incredible things in Egypt. Now, I think this story here is really important then. Why would the Israelites on the edge of the promised land, having been rescued from Egypt, need to hear about Abraham? Well, I think they need to hear it because God has kept his promise in the past. They can look back to Abraham and see that God did exactly the same for him as he's just done for them. God is a promise-keeping God. There was a famine then and God protected his people. He kept his promise of descendants. Despite an evil leader back in the book of Exodus, back in here in Genesis 12, God kept his promise and rescued. Well, where did Abraham end up? He ended up back in the land. And you see, these Israelites who've been rescued from from Egypt, who are on the edge of the promised land, they can be encouraged. What happened to Abraham was he got back to the promised land. And them on the edge of it will know that God will do the same for them. God really will keep his promise. You see, I reckon um, 
it seems like to Abraham at this point, and I think it probably would have seemed to the Israelites on the edge of the promised land, there are so many kings in charge that God can't do anything about it. Uh, but the amazing thing is that God can. God does rule. He really is in charge. And I think the lesson for us is that sometimes I think God for us is small and people are big. God is small and people are big. But what we're trying to learn here is that actually as big and as scary as someone like Pharaoh might be, God is bigger. God is bigger. No threat from outside can stop God's promises. He is that in control. No famine, no Pharaoh, nothing can stop God's promises. No army, nothing. And the shock is, I think, that God can even use Pharaoh for Abraham's good. That's how in charge he is. That's how in charge he is. Because look, God keeps his promise uh, despite Pharaoh, despite the famine. And here's the even bigger thing I think we see. God keeps his promise to Abraham despite Abraham's unbelief, his lack of trust. I don't know but my biggest worry is often um, that I will be the reason God won't keep his promise. I will be the reason that God won't keep his promise. Um, I think if I fail, if I mess up, then God's promise of heaven to me is over. Game over. Well, will God's promise fail if Abraham fails? That's what we're going to see in the next bit. Will God's promise fail if I fail? Well, just look with me back at verse 11 again. This is, this is Abraham showing his failure to trust As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. They will kill me, but will let you live. So he doubts that God can protect him. He stops trusting. That's what he does. He stops trusting. So verse 13, he hatches the plan. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Abraham here has stopped believing God's promise to him. He stopped believing that God will actually give him a child. So he fails. Is that it? Is this the end of the road? Will God's promises fail with him? Will God give up on him? Well, the answer comes in verse 20. Right at the end of the first uh, first bit we're looking at. Verse 20. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abraham to his men, and they sent him on his way, with his wife and everything he had. No, God's promise didn't fail. He was rescued. But it gets better, actually. God's promise to keep blessing Abraham proves still true. Look at verse 16. Um, This is what happened. Um, Pharaoh treated Abraham well for her sake, and Abraham acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. So Abraham, he he stops trusting God, and yet God, in his kindness, even though Abraham doesn't deserve it, he still blesses him, and he gets all these incredible things. And so chapter 13, verse 1, we see the result. Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. Despite the fact that Abraham fails big time, he messes up, he stops trusting, God still blesses him. 
In fact, he leaves Egypt a wealthier man than when he went there. I mean, that's incredible kindness by God. Even though Abraham stops believing, God is still faithful to him. God keeps his big promises to Abraham even when Abraham fails to trust. God is faithful despite Abraham's faithlessness. Now, I think um, we may think that God has failed us. I reckon there's lots of people in this room. Maybe you've kind of had the thought, actually, no, I don't think I can trust God. He, he's let me down too many times. You see, I think God can, will always keep his big promises. But sometimes we think that God has promised us things he hasn't actually promised. Um, let me give you an example. Um, I reckon some people, maybe you think that if you're a Christian, God has promised you success. Um, a great, great exam results, a happy relationship, a good job and an easy life. That's what some people think. Maybe there's people in this room, that's what you think. If I'm a Christian, that's kind of what God owes me or has promised to give me. And so when we fail, when you do poorly in exams, if you're single, if you have a dull job and a hard life, you assume God stopped keeping his promises. Uh, that God doesn't care about you anymore. Now, I know all those things can be really hard, uh, but I want to be really clear with you this morning. God has not promised them. God has not promised you good exam results. God has not promised you a happy relationship. God has not promised you an easy life. They're just not promises God has made. And so if you think God has broken his promise to you because you don't have those things, let me show you he hasn't. Because nowhere in the Bible does he promise that. Nowhere. In fact, Jesus is really clear. He says that life will be hard. It will be take up your cross and follow me. It will be hard. It will be dying to yourself. There will be suffering. That's what Jesus says. So if if life is hard for you, then actually that's more, more true Christian experience than if it's easy. See, there is no verse in the Bible where God promises us an easy life or good exam results. They just don't exist, those verses. And so when hard things in life come, don't give up on God. He really is keeping his big promises. Don't lose confidence. Well, God blesses Abraham in the midst of his unbelief when he stops trusting. Um, So what does Abraham do? Well, I think Abraham, he he, he finally gets it. He realises again that he needs to trust God. And he he does kind of, what we get is kind of a picture of of a turnaround, a U-turn, a turning back to God. Um, So just look with me at verse 3 of chapter 13. Um, From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier. And where he had first built an altar, there... Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Um, He basically retraces his steps. So he journeyed all the way down to Egypt, and now he retraces his steps back into the promised land. And he goes back to the place where he first talked with God. And I think the point is, he's repenting. He's turning around. He's saying, actually, sorry that I stopped trusting you in Egypt. I want to trust you again. That's what he's saying. Sorry I gave up on the promises and thought I could make my own plans. And I think the great shock, or the great surprise, is that even in Abraham's unbelief, God will work it for his good. That's how in charge God is. Nothing can stop his plans. 
Remember that verse we had on our t-shirts at house party? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. See, even the hard things in our lives are there for our good to teach us. Through the famine and Pharaoh, God shows Abraham that he can be trusted when it's hard. Even in his unbelief, Abraham realizes again that he should trust God. It's for his good. Abraham learns that trusting God is what's right. What I want you to do just in in your groups, just for a few minutes, is to talk about this. What do you feel threatens God's promises to you? What gets in the way? How does what we've seen here, just in this first bit of uh, Genesis 12 and 13, help us to trust God? So there you go. What threatens God's promises to you? How does this help us to trust God? There we go. Let's have a little chat about that.